Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Zoe Church Podcast. We are a community in Los Angeles that is all about the message and the person of Jesus. We're going to be starting a brand new series today about the subject of prayer. It's called Worried About Nothing. Out of Philippians 4, 6 and 7, worried about nothing because we pray about everything. And uh, really is around the new book that I just released this last week and studying the book of Philippians. So we're going to be jumping in. Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus said that his church shall be called a house of prayer. So we're going to learn today about the problem, the solution, and the potential of a prayer life. Again, thank you to everybody that subscribes, likes, comments, and shares Zoe LA podcast. Thank you to everybody that is a faithful listener. It's the beginning of the month, so I want to encourage everybody to partner with us to help us get the message of Jesus around the world. Thank you to everyone that faithfully gives tithes and offerings. You go to our website or you can text in Zoe to 77977. We can send you a link and you can give there. Thank you again. But let's jump into part one of Worried About Nothing. Go in your Bible to Luke chapter 5. We're going to jump in to today's message. We are starting today a brand new series called Worried About Nothing. These are not French Montana lyrics, by the way. This is the Bible, you guys. Come on, let's get serious. Worried About Nothing. This is really, for the next few weeks, uh, something that I'm very passionate about all of us walking in because I really think that most of us are weighed down by stress and anxiety. They say the number one concern amongst adults in America is anxiety. And the antidote to anxiety is not just, you know, a better eating plan or the Calm app. But to me, according to scripture, prayer really is what brings us into God's presence and combats that stress, combats that anxiety. And so we're going to be talking for the next few weeks about the power of prayer. And we believe around Zoe Church that we should be a praying church. And uh, if you don't know how to pray, these next few weeks are really for you. In fact, I just released a book on Tuesday about prayer. It just came out. I'm very excited about it. Thank you for the claps. And I think that, is he in the service? The guy that designs all the books covers, is he's in somewhere around here, Roman. But this is the book that came out on Tuesday, Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing, How to Live with Peace and Purpose Instead of Stress and Burnout. And if you don't have to run out after the service, I'm going to be signing copies right in the lobby after the service. But I'm pretty excited about it. Can we just take a moment and clap for Roman, who is the... What a green. Look at that green. Is that a good one? This guy, Roman the Russian, he crushed it again. But we're talking about the power and the potential of prayer. And all of this started, all this came to be really for me. Uh, a couple years ago, I flew to Bogota, Colombia. I was invited to go preach at a great church called Supresencia. And uh, I flew down there, uh, Pete Duvall, a lot of you guys know Samoan Jesus, Big Moana. We, we have six nicknames for him around here. We flew down to Bogota, and, and they invited me to come preach at their Wednesday night service. It's a 5 p.m. and a 7 p.m. service. 
And they said, you got to come see what God's doing in Bogota, Colombia. So we flew down there and we went to the Wednesday night service and the fi- it's 5 p.m. And the main auditorium sat 4,000 people. It was packed to the rafters. And I look at the pastor. I'm like, this is unbelievable. He's like, if you think that's good, there are three overflow rooms of 800 also in the building that are watching you on a screen right now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So in between the five and the seven, he's like, come, let me show you the, the overflow rooms. So we went and he showed me the first room. They have live worship and then the, the video teaching. And, and then he showed me the third room and he, he said, come over here to the window. And so I'm looking out the window and he says, look, look down. We're kind of high up. He said, look down. And as far as I could see, it, the, all the people look like ants all the way down the street and around the corner. He said, all those people are waiting to get into the 7 p.m. service. I said, sir, what is happening in your church? Like, what are, like, we got Ecuador parades in front of our church. Like, what are y'all doing that we ain't doing? He's like, man, I think that the, the key to what God is doing here is that we are a praying church. He said, every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 6 to 7 a.m., this place is just as full as it is tonight with our church praying before they go to work. He said, we believe in the power of prayer. I'm telling you, I was moved by this event. I came back home and I was like, you know what? I need to up my prayer life. You know what? I need to start praying again. And God started talking to me and dealing with me about how major moments in my life all had to deal with prayer. Where God really started to shape my life. I, I love Bible reading. I've, I don't really skimp on that. I'm, I'm a legalistic person by nature, hence the white pants. I'm cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And so I just, like, I don't, like, I love to read the Bible. But I, if I'm honest, I, I, at that point, I wasn't really praying that much. I was reading, but I wasn't praying. And God started to remind me, remember, all the amazing times that I moved in your life, it's when you were praying. God brought me back to when I was in high school. When I was in high school, I'm a pastor's kid, so I grew up in church, and I wanted nothing to do with church. Like, I was running from the call of God. When I was, when I, uh, when I was in high school, I had this encounter. April 25th, 1996, I'm in the kingdom in Seattle, Washington. We're worshiping with 65,000 other men. I'm on the backside of the stage. We're worshiping. I have this moment. I'm like, God, you win. My life is your life. Fine, I surrender. I will not be a professional basketball player, although that's what I wanted to be. And uh, like Chad, you had no shot at that. But I gave my life over to God, and I came back to my high school, and I was like, I want to see God move. So the first day of my senior year, I went to a buddy. I was like, hey, let's pray together during lunch. 30-minute lunch. Let's eat for 15 minutes, and then let's pray for 15 minutes. He's like, I'm in. First day of school, we go to classroom, we pray together. Next day, another friend joins us. Three turned into five, five turned into ten, ten turned into twenty, into thirty. Pretty soon we outgrew the classroom, we had to go to the choir room. Pretty soon we outgrew the choir room, we had to go to the gymnasium. A hundred kids in the middle of my lunch, I would stand up, I'd go like this. A hundred kids would stand up, we'd go to the gym, and we watched during my high school, public school, 2,000 kids. We saw kids get delivered, we saw kids be delivered from anorexia, alcoholism, sleeping around, called to the ministry. I mean, I didn't even know how to pray. I was still listening to Tupac. I was like, all eyes on me, all eyes on you. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I love it when we call you Big Papa. Chad, this is cheesy. My wife booed right there. My wife booed on the front row. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I needed to pray. 
I needed to talk to God. And God started doing insane things. See, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of praying parents. I believe in the power of a praying spouse. I believe in the power of a praying church. I believe in the power of a praying city. I believe in the power of a praying entrepreneur. I just believe in the power of a praying person. Prayer changes things. In fact, write down the title of installment one, episode one. The first message I want to preach is prayer changes things. And a lot of times when I pray, it's not that my bills go away. It's not that I get out of the hospital room right away. It's not that the relationship shifts. When I pray, things change, and it's usually me. When I pray, it's like now i got peace about it. Now I've got a better perspective about it. Now I'm coming from a right premise, my motives. Now I've got power to endure. Prayer changes things, mainly you, mainly me. And I just want to just tell you right off the jump, if I were the enemy of your soul, if I was opposed to your life, if I was the devil himself, I would, get, I would do everything within my power to keep you from praying. Because I know if you start praying, you'll start changing. I know that if, if I can keep you away, if I can convince you, you don't know how to do it, you're not good enough to do it, it's too hard, it's too elaborate, it's too boring. If I can convince you that you can't pray, then you'll never get into the vehicle of prayer. By the way, at Zoe Church, we don't worship prayer, we worship God. But prayer is not on the pedestal, God is on the pedestal. Prayer is simply a vehicle. Prayer is like an Uber. We don't worship Uber. I get into the, to the vehicle of prayer. Prayer takes me from where I am to where I need to be. Prayer takes me from anxiety into peace. Prayer takes me from conflict into comfort. It takes me from distortion into destiny. So we don't worship prayer, we worship God. Because listen, if I pray, I can get into the presence of God. And it is, it's in the presence of God that I am healed and I am restored and I am renewed and I am revived. And I, prayer changes things, mainly me. I walk away from prayer. It's not that my mountain is always moved. It's that I am moved. I am shaped. I am changed. I am humbled. I am grateful. I am forgiving because when I get into prayer, it takes me into his presence and everything that you need is in the presence of God. Prayer changes things. I want to encourage you, if you're a parent, pray for your children. I want to encourage you today, if you own a business, pray over your employees. I want to encourage you today, if you're single, well, then you need to fast because some miracles take prayer and fasting. And sweetie, it ain't an app that's going to change a thing. You need to pray and fast. Somebody give me a Pentecostal amen in the church. Some girl in the back is like, Jesus, he's preaching to me. Well, then fast. Prayer changes things. And one of the things I love about Jesus is that Jesus himself had a prayer life. So if Jesus, the perfect one, had a prayer life, we should have a prayer life. Like if Jesus prayed often, I should pray often. If this was his holy habit, prayer should be my holy habit. If that's what he was all about, that's what I should be about. 
So Jesus, the perfect one, the Messiah, watch this, Luke chapter 5, watch what it says of Jesus. However, the report went around concerning Jesus all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by Jesus of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and played video games and took a nap and snuck away to Cabo. Now, see, a lot of us, we think, oh, man, all I need, I need, oh, I need a trip to Vegas. Oh, all I need is Vegas. Oh, I need Bahamas. If you get me to the Bahamas, I'm going to be fine. Just need the Bahamas. No, no, no. You don't need a vacation sometimes. You need the presence of the living God. Nothing revitalizes, nothing restores, nothing reinvigorates like a word from God. Jesus often slipped away, and he would often get away to pray and to be with the Father. His prayer life looked like this. God, you are the boss. God, you are in control. God, my life belongs to you. God, I don't want to do anything you don't want me to do. I don't want to say anything you don't want me to say. I don't want to go anywhere you don't want me to go. God, my life belongs to you. Jesus wasn't slipping away and being like, you better. How dare you? How come you didn't? What's going on? Oh, and Judas... No, he was praying to the Father, I love you, I serve you, I worship you, you are good, you are awesome, you are mighty, you are in control, I live for you, God, there's no God like you. Prayer changes things, mainly me. I really want you to activate your prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, this series, and this book is all about getting you to get in the vehicle of prayer so you get into the presence of God. And in the presence of God, you will find the peace and the purpose that you're looking for. Today, I want to give you the problem and the solution and the possibility of prayer. Let me first give you the problem. Let's start with why we don't pray. The reason why many of us don't pray is that we don't know how to pray. Most of us don't know. It's like, what do you like doing that you're not good at? Like, this is the reason why I don't play beach volleyball. I don't like, I just I don't play beach volleyball because I'm not good at volleyball, number one, even if it was on grass. And now that we're in the sand, I really suck. So I'm not playing. None of us like doing things we're not good at. So when it comes to prayer, we're like, um, I don't have an accent from Oklahoma. I don't have a British accent. How can I pray? That was a joke. That was kind of funny, the Oklahoma part. Okay. But most of us think, I don't want to pray because I don't know how to pray. But the reality is that even the disciples didn't know how to pray in the Bible. Even the disciples didn't know what they were doing in prayer. But when they watched Jesus pray, they literally asked him, Jesus, will you show us? Will you teach us how to pray? Watch what it says here in Luke chapter 11. It says this in verse 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he stopped praying, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Show us how to do that. Notice the disciples never asked him, whoa, show us how to walk on water. That's crazy. Wow. Show us how to turn water into some Cabernet. Wow. Show us how to raise the dead. They never asked for any of those miracles. The only thing they asked Jesus to teach them, Lord, show us how to have a prayer life. Show us how to pray and talk with God. Show us how to talk with Jesus and walk with Jesus the way you do it. I notice the peace that you carry. I notice the levity of your life. I notice how free and light that you live. I think it's from your prayer life. Will you show us and will you teach us? I want to encourage you today. God himself will come and he will teach you and train you on how to pray. 
He'll show you. God's not like, really? You don't know how? This is elementary. This is fundamental for Christians. Every Christian should know how to pray. No, no. God's like, listen, I'll show you. I'll teach you. In fact, when he taught the disciples, he said this. Pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our bread, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for thine is thy kingdom and thy glory and thy power forever and ever amen jesus didn't say every time you pray you must say our father who art in heaven no he's like okay just these are just some guardrails for prayer have you ever when you were growing up when you first started bowling did you ever have the bumpers like when i take my boys i i order the bumpers so they feel like rock stars and it's so that the ball doesn't go in the gutter. Jesus is just like, hey, when you pray, just here's some good guardrails. Like, I think when you pray, you should just acknowledge that you need forgiveness because then it will help you forgive other people. When you pray, I think it's just smart. You should probably just acknowledge that you are not the source of your income. God is the source of everything you have. When you pray, you should acknowledge that you're a sucker like everybody else and that you can fall into temptation because you're a dude and a girl. And so you just, just acknowledge that you can be led into temptation, but you don't want to sin, so just, God, help me not to be into sin. Will you just acknowledge that when you pray, you should start with our Father. Start with relationship. Start with praise. Before you ask God for anything, thank God for everything. Before you tell Him all of your needs, thank Him for who He is. He just gave some guardrails. Most of us like, I'd love to pray, but I don't know how to. Or how about this one? We get bored in prayer. If prayer is boring to you, welcome to the club. Most people don't pray because they think prayer is boring. And listen, prayer is boring if you only pray for yourself. Watch how fast prayer is. If you just come and you lift up your grocery list of everything you need. So you list one, two, three, and four, and you're pretty much done. But prayer gets fun when you start praying for others. Prayer gets fun when you start letting God lead you in prayer. All of a sudden, you're praying for nations and people and situations. You know, the Bible says that God listens to your prayers so well that he understands your moans and utterances that other people don't. He's listening. And so he doesn't want prayer to be boring. He wants prayer to be exhilarating and fun and full of life and full of intimacy. Prayer is not an invitation into rigidity. Prayer is an invitation into intimacy. God's like, no, 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 it's not about being bored. A lot of times we don't, we're like, I don't know how to pray, and it's boring. Or how about this one? A lot of times we don't, know, we don't want to pray because we have shame in our life. And we're like, you know what? I, I would love to pray, but like, I did go to Vegas. I did do that thing. I have been there. I, I, I'm not a perfect person. I, I, I got shame. Listen, listen to what the Bible teaches us. 1 John 3, put up on the screen. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence towards God. If our hearts do, condemnation is from the enemy and gets you to look at your sin and how bad you are. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit and points you straight to Jesus. If you're condemned and filled with guilt today, that is not the heart of God. 
Guilt is from the wicked one that gets you to be accused and condemned and feeling awful about your sin. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit says, don't look at yourself, look at the cross. Look at the blood of Jesus. Look at what God's done for you. Don't look to yourself. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Again, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I'm telling you, have you ever seen a pastor's kid at a church? I used to walk around my dad's church like I own the place. Like this is my daddy's church. Like I can do any. I can go into the green room. I can grab the snacks. I can sit anywhere I want. I told my youth pastor one time, you talk to me like that again, I'm going to get you fired. That's a pastor's kid right there. Why does a pastor's kid act that way? Because they know this is my dad's house. This is my dad's church. I wonder if you can start getting a little confidence back in your prayer life and be like, I know who my father is. I know who my God is. I know what the cross has done for me. I don't pray because I'm awesome. I pray because he's awesome. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I shouldn't have it. But because of the blood of Jesus and the, who the cross makes me, I have confidence before God. So you know what? Ask for that addiction to smoking to be broken. Ask for that addiction to alcohol be broken. Ask for that comfort from the loved one that just passed. Ask for that visa to pass. Ask for that new apartment. Ask for that job. Ask for your man of God. The other day we were praying on Instagram Live and one of the ZST here at the church was like, I'm like, what are you praying for? And this girl was like, I'm believing for a kingdom spouse. I was like, okay, kingdom spouse. What are you believing for? If your heart does not condemn you, you have confidence before God. A lot of times we don't pray because we don't know how to pray or we get bored in prayer or we lack identity. We don't know who we are. We feel shame. We feel guilt. We feel like we're not important. Why would, why would big old God listen to little old me? Sure, God must love fill in whatever last name you think is important. God must love them because they are important. But God can't love me because I'm not from the right family. I'm not from the right neighborhood. The color of my skin or my socioeconomic background determines whether God will listen to my prayers. Don't you believe that lie for a second? God listens to you because you're a son and you're a daughter. God is listening to your prayers because he cares about you and he's in love with you. God, watch what it says here in James, James chapter 5, speaking of Elijah. It says, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, let's just, for instance, Elijah, human just like us, prayed hard that it would rain, and it didn't, not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. You know what the Bible's saying? Elijah was a dude like you. Elijah was a regular person. Elijah wasn't from the important family. Elijah wasn't royalty. Elijah wasn't a prince. Elijah was just a dude and he prayed and God moved. I was just a dude at my high school. I prayed and God moved. This pastor in Columbia, he's just a dude and he prayed and God moved. You're just a guy or a girl, but when you pray, God hears and God listens and he moves and he acts and he heals and he changes. Prayer changes things. You don't need to be some perfect person. There is no perfect prayer and there's no perfect person. And I wonder if you could get your confidence back. I wonder if you could just get that like, I know that the Father loves me. I know that the Father's watching. I know the Father. I'm going to get my swag back. 
You need your confidence in prayer back. This last week, I was with some of the guys here, and we are in Manhattan Beach, and we are going along the strand with my daughter, Georgia. She's in a wheelchair. And she's 10 years old, so, you know, she's, she's, she's 10. She's big. She's got her own wheelchair, you know. So, so Julia was up at this restaurant at the top of the hill, so I had to push my daughter all the way up the Manhattan Beach Hill to get to the restaurant. And I'm with these young guys. They're 21 years of age. They're young guys. And I'm pushing my daughter. I've never done a leg day. Not one. I've never. People on Instagram are like, he must skip leg day. I'm like, I've never been to a leg day. Never. I don't know how to spell leg and day together. I don't. So I'm up the hill. I'm going. I'm thinking one of these young athletes are going to be like, oh, man of God, pastor, let us take over the stroller. But, but instead, Thad here in the front row, he pulls out his Spotify and he pulls out Eye of the Tiger song. And he's like, come on, PC, you can do it. I'm like, I can do it. You can do it. So I'm just like, ah, I'm just like my calves are on fire, you know. They, they go, Pastor, go. I'm like, no, I want you to go. But I feel like some of us, we're, we, we come to prayer and we're like, it's an uphill battle. And we're like, I don't know if I can make it. And I don't know. Listen, I want to put some eye of the tiger in your spirit today. I want to put some passion and some purpose and be like, no, no, no. I have confidence before God. I know I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. I know I'm not perfect, but I'm a work in progress. I know I'm not from the right family, but I'm, I got the blood of Jesus and royalty in my vein. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a marvelous light. And I've been called to declare marvelous things. Come on, clap today if you're thankful that I'm a child of God. Don't you get beat up by shame. Don't you get bullied by condemnation. Don't you get overwhelmed that you don't know how to do it. That prayer is not Ikea furniture. Anything that I don't know how to do right now, I go to YouTube and I type in how to do X. And then I try and fast forward as quickly as possible to find out my solution. We are going through this series because we are learning how do we pray, God, because I'm tired of anxiety, I'm tired of stress, I'm tired of burnout, I'm tired of lack of purpose, and I need the presence of God. So the problem is that we're bored, and we don't have identity, and we've got shame, and we don't know how to pray. But the solution, come on, write down the solution today. Start talking to Jesus. I say that on purpose because I don't want you to hear me say start praying because the moment I say start praying everybody's like oh yeah came to church they told us to pray more every time I show up there they're like give us your money and pray that's why I stopped going these guys make me sick and they always pick on single people and I'm single start talking to Jesus can you name a relationship in your life that flourishes with no communication? Every relationship is built on the foundation of communication. In fact, relationships are built on communication, not assumption. And most of us assume God doesn't want to hear from me. God knows what I'm going through. If God cared, he'd intervene. The point of prayer is not getting what you want. The point of prayer is getting close to Jesus. If you're here and you're like, I'm not good at prayer, welcome to the club. None of us are experts, but we're friends with Jesus. He said, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you a friend. So you ought to start talking to Jesus like he is a friend. Again, prayer is not you 
boasting your perfect list. God, checking in, just want to let you know I've been hashtag killing it. And so I'm just stopping by to let you know I have been on fire. And um, just if you haven't seen, just want to let you know that your boy has been crushing life. No, no, no. God already saw your sin. He was already there. So prayer is an opportunity for you to be vulnerable and to be raw and to be real and to be transparent. If you read the book of Psalms in the Bible, it's a guy being like, where are you? Where have you gone? My bed is drenched with tears. Why have you forsaken me? The earth is dying. Everything's wrong. Where have you gone? See, I think your prayer life ought to look more real and authentic than religious and predicated. God didn't say write down perfect prayers and may they be incredibly eloquent. In fact, Jesus goes, hey, you know those people that pray for like a long time and they sound so important and they sound like, whoa, what power Christians. He's like, they don't even get a reward. He said, I'll tell you the most important prayer is the one you pray pray in private when it's just me and you. That's why Jesus was always slipping away to be with the Father, to just confess, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. Lord, I, 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 this is a demanding schedule. I don't know how I'm going to make it all work, but I, I love you and I live for you. I wonder if you could start communicating with God. Like, let me make it this practical. If you don't know how to pray, do this. Start a contact in your phone, name it Jesus, and start texting your prayers. Some of you are so good at texting, it's insane. Like, I get your text, and I'm like, wow, wow, good, good use of the emojis, great. Wow, that's a good gift. It's a great gift right there. Some of you are awful at texting. The word or the letter K in a reply is not okay. It's not an, it's not an acceptable reply. Can I get a Pentecostal amen in the church? Repent and turn away. Start texting your... Listen, when it comes to prayer, God's not like, if it's, if it's not on your knees, then I don't even hear. No, God, God does not care about the posture of your prayer. He cares about the posture of your heart. It doesn't matter whether it's in a phone or a journal or on a walk or in your head or a whisper. All that matters is that we're communicating to God. God wants to talk with you and walk with you. The point of Jesus is relationship, not religion. He wants to be near you. He wants to be close to you. He wants to shower you. So it should be constant communication. Not every once in a while, not once a month, just like in the morning time, in the afternoon time, in the night time. Last night, this is just, I don't know how this stuff happens. Last night, 2.30 in the morning, my four-year-old made his way into my bed. And I'm like, God, it's Saturday. Like, why does this happen? So I'm like shoving my four-year-old. I'm like moving him away. I'm like upset with this guy. And I'm just like, really, God? Like on a Saturday night? Like just shit about? I'm just like, I'm so mad at this guy. And all, and all of a sudden, it's like, I realize I'm so upset. I can't fall back asleep. So 3.30 in the morning, I just, I'm just awake. So I just finally, I just was like, okay, I'm awake. Do you want to say something? Do you want to talk to me? I'm awake. What do you want? Like, I just think. Get in the habit of no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can talk to Jesus. A lot of times we, we don't talk to God. It's because, uh, remember those old lyrics, I want to talk to God, but we ain't talked in so long. We feel that. So I'm like, I want to I re-engage my relationship, but man, it's been a few years. It's been a long time. 
And I don't know if things have changed. This last week when the book came out, I was going to text some people, you know, like, hey, the book came out. If, if you want to post, like, here's some photos. But I noticed that when I went to go text them, I hadn't texted them since the last book came out. So I went to go text them. I was like, how you been? What's going on? Dude, love you. Just kind of retract all my agenda real fast. Have you ever texted somebody you haven't talked to in a long time and you thought you were still good, but you're not? And like they kind of go sour with you or they're kind of like abrupt. They're like mad about something. You're like, whoa, this is crazy energy. <laughs> when you come to God, God's not gonna be like, isn't that convenient? In a hospital and now you wanna turn to me, huh? Oh, so now... Now that you're facing sickness and sorrow, now you want, no, God's all the time like, I love you. I'm for you. I'm with you. I want to help you. I want to serve you. I want to free you. I want to deliver you. I'm obsessed with you. He's a loving father. So we got to talk to Jesus, communicate constantly. Look at 1 Thessalonians. I love this scripture. Verse 5. It says in verse 17, chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Like, just don't stop. Just keep the conversation going. Keep it going. Keep it flowing. Keep talking to God. Talk to God wherever you are. Talk to God whatever you're going through. Just keep it flowing. Because sometimes when we let distance go by, distance brings distortion. By the way, God has not moved. You moved. God is still loving. God is still kind. Nothing changed about the character and the nature of God. He's still for you. He's still got a plan. He's still on the throne. He's still in love with you. God didn't change. We changed. So instead of feeling that, let's just keep the conversation going. And I think when you start talking to Jesus, write this word down. What happens is you, you concede. You concede. You ever, you ever wrestle when you're growing up like with, with, your, with your family and then like you tap out? Or like if, if someone ever grabs you like around the neck and you're like, uncle, like you have to tap out because you're like, I give up. You know, like this is what happens to my kids. My four-year-old he gets me and I'm like, oh, I'm done. You win. Okay, go watch Bluey. Thanks. I think what happens in prayer is that we come, you know, we're like, okay, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. But the more we start praying and talking to God, we're reminded, oh, yeah, you are so good. You are so in control. And you are for me and you are with me and you love me and your hand is on my life. And all of a sudden what happens in prayer is I surrender to his agenda. I concede to his plan. Prayer is not about you using God like a genie in a bottle. Okay, what can I get? I, I, I got my laundry list. All right, let's, let's, let's get in and let's get out. Let's just get what... Prayer is not a transaction. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is not for what you can tell God what you need. Prayer is an opportunity for God to tell you his plan and his purpose and his love and his grace for your life. Amen. Come on, clap if you're thankful for the grace of God today. Worship team, come join me. Here's the potential out of this. The last thing, the potential, write down the last thing. The potential is peace and purpose. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? Philippians 4, 6 and 7. We're going to read our last verse today. Then we're going to pray. Because Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So when we gather, we pray. We go to God. We look to God. 
Can we look at this verse together? Last verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You put it up on the screen. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus. You know what the Bible's saying? There's not a situation in your life where God's like, okay, I get it. I get totally. Hit the panic button, freak out. I, we cannot help you there, so be anxious. No, it says be anxious about nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And when you pray, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. I'm telling you, you can go through hell on earth. But when you pray and you turn to God, you can have peace over your heart and peace over your mind. It could be in a, in a hospital. It could be in the worst situation. It could be in divorce. It could be in breakthrough or a breakup. It could be in the worst situation. But God will give you peace. So my question to you is, do you have peace today? Do you have peace on your pillow? When you lay down, there's no better feeling than falling asleep and being like, I know that you're in control and I know that you love me and I know that you're going to sort everything that I'm facing today. Don't let your circumstance determine your faith. Let your faith determine your circumstance. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes me. Changes me. Changes me. It's like leave prayer. It's like same bill, same neighbor, same ex, same boss. I got peace. I got purpose. I, I, I believe that for your life. You could walk out of here with purpose today. Because when you get into his presence, your purpose is found. One time they lost Jesus. Why, why, how come in the scriptures they always losing this guy, man? His mom lost him. The disciples lost him. They, the find my friend, uh, friends is off. Jesus turned it off because he, you know, he was away praying. So when he comes back from prayer, the disciples are like, Jesus, hey Sue, where you been? Where did you go? We were panicked. We were worried, Jesus. Where were you? And Jesus goes, don't even worry about it, guys. We got to go to the next village for this purpose I have come. In other words, when he got out of prayer, his purpose was renewed and he was laser beam focused on what was going on in the future. Oh, come on, Zoe. I really believe it. We're not just getting peace so we can sleep. We're getting purpose for our life. Clap today if you're excited that peace and purpose is found in the presence of God. See, I'm just telling you, if I was against you, I'd be like, don't pray. You don't know how to pray. You're not good enough to pray. You're not from the right family. You don't say the right words. You're a mess up. You're a screw up. You're from the wrong side of the town. You're not good enough. No, no, no. Prayer, that's for the perfect people. Stop. Prayer is for you and me. Prayer is a vehicle I'm allowed. That's an Uber I can't order. It's an Uber X. Jesus. And I get into prayer and all of a sudden, I get into the presence of the living God and I am renewed. See, I don't think God is limited to Bogota, Colombia. I don't think God is limited to moving in high school campuses. I think God can move in your house. And I think God can move in your life if you believe it today. Come on, let's clap and thank Jesus. Come on, let's just pray today. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your...